Welcome back to the Ryan Murray Podcast. This is going to be episode number 13. The title of today's episode is going to be, Why Did the Chicken Cross the Road? And the reason that that is the title is because today I am going to tell the entire story of how at the ripe old age of 21, I was uh, chosen to be on Wheel of Fortune. And I got to go to LA and I got to film an episode on Wheel of Fortune. Um, it was super fun. It was a, an incredible experience. And, uh, you know, I, I tell people very rarely that I did that. Um, I mean, to my, in my opinion, it's not something that's really worth bragging about, but it's just kind of a cool thing that I, that I was able to do. And sometimes people ask me what it was like to, to do it and how do you get on the show? And so I figured what better way than to tell the story on this and, um, give everybody that's listening to this a little bit of, uh, behind the scenes of what happens. So without further ado, we'll get right into it. I remember back in 2003, it was uh, sometime around Thanksgiving or Christmas. I was hanging out at my dad's house with my family. My sisters and I were at my dad's house and my late grandmother um, was with us. And we used to, I used to love watching game shows in particular. Uh, my sisters and I used to watch The Price is Right all the time. Uh, we used to watch uh, Wheel of Fortune a lot. Um, I think my grandmother used to like to watch Jeopardy. So sometimes we would watch that with her as well. But Wheel of Fortune was always the most fun to watch because, I mean, you're basically just playing a big game of hangman. And you can, <clears throat> it was fun sitting at home and everybody's trying to guess what the puzzle is first. And uh, we used to always joke about like going on the show and, you know, again, it's 2003, we're sitting there around the holidays and this, you know, I, I grew up in Arizona, so I'm, I'm outside Phoenix at my dad's house and we're watching Wheel of Fortune and they play a commercial, um, during the show and they talk about how they're going to go on the road and they're doing Phoenix week. And, you know, anybody that's ever watched Wheel of Fortune in the last decade, uh, you know, that, they travel, they do these shoots on location, you know, <clears throat> they go all over the country to different States and they film. And it just so happened that they were getting ready to do Phoenix week. So we, um, we watched the commercial and, and I paid a close attention to it because at this point I was 20 years old and I knew that I was old enough to try to audition for it or to try to go out for it. Um, so I was like, man, that'd be really cool. And they said, you know, we're going to be in the Phoenix area on these particular dates if you're interested in trying to get on the show, come out and you'll have an opportunity. And so I, I told my sisters and I told my mom, my, my dad and, and my, my grandmother, I was like, I'm gonna go do that. Uh, you gotta be kidding me. They're, they're coming out to Phoenix. I don't have to go to LA and I, and I can go and try to get on wheel of fortune and, and be on TV. I'm like, that, that sounds like so much fun. And they all kind of chuckled and I don't know that they, hundred percent believe that I would do it, but they probably knew that, you know, I was crazy enough to do something like that. So anyway, I, the dates are coming up and I don't remember exactly when it was, I, I think it was maybe November is when they were doing this event, <clears throat> but the way that they do it, they, um, they would bring out like a, they, they had a traveling team basically where they had somebody that would kind of assume the role of Pat, say Jack. And then they had somebody else that would kind of assume the role of Vanna White. And 
they'd go out in a big old motorhome and semi trucks and they'd bring this whole thing out and they set up at uh i want to say it's like harris auction casino it's uh like southeast southwest of um downtown phoenix but it was a little bit of a drive uh i remember it you know it's probably an hour hour and a half drive away from my house so it's not like it was anywhere you know around the corner but the time came and I, I talked to one of my friends, uh, Ryan Miller, shout out Ryan, if you're listening and I convinced him to go out there and do it with me. So I wouldn't have to go by myself because none of my family wanted to go with me. And so Ryan and I got in his car and he drove us down there and we, uh, we get to the casino and they had, um, they had this one room, basically this big ballroom style setup, And they were, I want to say they were letting somewhere around 150 people in the room at any given session. And what they did was they set up three separate days and they gave you three different time slots where you could go and try out to be on Wheel of Fortune. And all you had to do was stand in line. All you had to do was stand in line and fill your name out on a, a flashcard sized piece of paper. You just had to put down your name, your address, your phone number, Maybe they asked for your email. I don't even remember. Um, But then you just stand in line. And then when the time comes for you to go into that session, everybody piles into this room and they take all the cards that everybody had filled out and they put them in one of those big giant bingo wheels and they shake it and they roll it around. And then one at a time, the girl that was playing Vanna White would pull a card out of the wheel and she would hand it to the guy acting like Pat Sajak and he'd have a microphone and he'd call out that person's name. And if your name got called, then you got to go up on this little stage setup that they had. And I think they called four or five people at a time to go up on stage. So Ryan and I get there. Um, I don't remember. I want to say it might've been the last day. I think they were doing it for three days. And I think it was the last day that they were doing this. And it was, they would do three different time slots in the mornings of each of these days. And then they would do three different time slots at the end of the day in the afternoon and night. And Ryan and I got there at the afternoon sessions. So we, we only had like one or two chances to try to, to go in. We'll go in, fill out our names on a card, put it in a little thing. They go through their whole deal. They call everybody's names that they're going to call. They don't call me. They don't call my buddy, Ryan. And so that whole thing ends and neither one of us get selected and we go outside and I was like, ah, well, bummer. Um, you know, we, they didn't pick us, but it was cool to come down here and check it out and see what it was all about. But, you know, let's go home. We get outside. We're a little dejected. Um, we're like kind of bummed out. I mean, we, we drove almost two hours to get to this place and it went back kind of quick and nothing came of it. And, <clears throat> and then we found out as we were leaving that we got there for the first time slot at night but there were actually two more time slots and it was not a one try and you're done it was if you didn't get your name called for the first session then you could stand in line again for the second one and if it didn't happen on the second one then you could go back and you could stand in line for the third one and so I was like dude let's (laughs) let's get back in line man like there's no reason for us to leave uh, we might as well just stick it out. We'll go through all three sessions if we have to. I mean, worst case scenario, if it, if we don't get our names called at that point, I mean, at least we stayed and we tried three times instead of one. 
and he was just like he didn't care so he thought it was funny and he goes yeah that's fine let's go so we're standing in line and I mean it wasn't the longest wait of all time but it was you know you're standing there waiting a little while and eventually people that are standing in line around us finally get tired of standing there and they don't want to wait any longer and so they all decide to leave well as they're leaving Ryan and I started asking them for their name cards <clears throat> and they were like oh yeah here you go and so we got a bunch of people that had decided to leave but they had not filled out their little name cards yet to give us their blank cards and then Ryan and I started filling out extra cards now don't <laughs> for all the haters out there yeah we kind of cheated but to be fair we weren't the only ones doing it and honestly like even if you get your name called that night there's no guarantee that you're actually going to get on the show anyway yeah we cheated so we ended up filling out i don't know probably five or six of these name cards each just because of all the ones that we were getting from people that were leaving. And because we had already gone through one of these sessions and we saw how they were putting these name cards in these bing this bingo wheel and they would roll it, basically shuffling up all the cards and then just randomly pick one out of there. I thought it would be a good idea for us to do certain things to our name cards so that if our name card got pulled out of the bingo wheel, we would be able to tell that it was ours even before they said our name. So we started folding them. You know, we took one, we'd fold it like eight, eight different times. So you could see the creases in it. Um, you know, we would take one of each one of us were doing this for our little pile, but we would take one and we'd crumple it up into a ball. So it would look all ratty and wrinkly. And, uh, and we just kind of did stuff like that. We'd write little funny things on the cards instead of just our names there was like extra space where you could little, write little stuff and when we sat in on that first session i don't remember what the guy's name was but i do remember what the girl's name was her name was holly and she was extremely like she was she was hot like she was a really good looking girl and ryan and i were joking about that while we were standing in line the second time and we we're and i was like man that chick holly is like super hot and he goes yeah i know and i decided to write on my name card, I wrote my name and I said, Holly is hot on the card. I wrote that out. And then I wrote like something else. I don't remember what, but I wrote it big so that if they did end up pulling mine, they, they would see it and there was no way that they, they wouldn't read it. Right. So we did all that stuff. We hold onto our cards. They let us into the room. And as you're walking in, you just like drop your name card in this box or whatever. So we drop all of our cards in there. You know, we're trying to remember how we folded different things and, and how we crumpled them up and, and, and all that kind of stuff so that we would know it was one of us. We go in the room and we're towards the back of the room. And keep in mind, you know, anything that you're doing when it comes to trying to get on TV, almost everything that you do is a test. They want to see how people react. They want to see what kind of personality that you have. They want to see what you're going to look like on a television show because they're trying to produce something that people are going to be entertained by. So for instance, if they were to call your name and be like, John Smith, come on up to the stage. And you were just like, that's me. Hang on. I'll be right there. 
and you slowly walk up there and there's no excitement or emotion that tells the producers a little bit about you. And it gives them information to make a decision on whether or not they want to select you to be somebody to be a contestant on their game show. And I kind of already had that thought in my head. So I knew that if I got called, I would kind of react like somebody on the price is right. Where you, if you ever watch the price is right, you see people are all sitting in this studio, they're all in their chair and everybody's name that gets called, they freak out and they jump up and they scream and they hoot and holler and they're high-fiving people as they're walking past them and they're having these big old reactions. And so I just told myself, if they end up calling me, then I'm going to, I'm going to have a big reaction because I knew that it would help my chances of going further in their selection process. So we're sitting there, we're in the back of the room. And they're pulling people's names. And again, they're only going to call. I mean, they probably only called like 10 or 15 people total out of like 150. And they would call us up again, like four or five people at a time. And so they go through some people. And I think we're like halfway through the, the session. And all of a sudden, Holly, the lady that's playing Vanna White, she grabs a card out of the little bingo wheel. And she opens it up. And she reads it. And immediately starts acting like super embarrassed. And she starts like not wanting to show it to the guy that's announcing the person's name. And I looked at Ryan and I just like hit him in the shoulder. And I was like, oh my God, dude, that's mine. I was like, I I swear to God, that's mine. That's got to be the one that says Holly is hot on it. She read it. She's embarrassed. She doesn't want to say it out loud. That's me. That's me. So I'm already in the back of the room. I'm freaking out. I'm like, they got my name. They got my name. And, uh, And so... She finally hands the card over to the guy that's announcing whose name it is. And before he says anything to the mic, he opens it up and he's trying to figure out like, why is she acting this way? Cause she hasn't, she hadn't reacted that way to anybody's name cards the entire night. He's like, why is she acting all weird? And so he reads it and he just starts busting up laughing. And at that moment I was like, it's gotta be mine. Like it has to be mine. There's no other person that could have done that. It's gotta be me. And so, so as he starts reading the card, I start moving towards the side of the room from the back of the room so that I have a clear path to get up to the stage. Cause I already am like 99% sure that he's going to call my name out anyway. And so he starts reading the card and he's laughing the whole time. And he goes, well, he says, well, apparently somebody out there thinks that Holly is hot. And as soon as he said that I knew it was me and I started jumping up, I started screaming and I was like, yes, it's me. And I started going up to the stage. They hadn't even called my name out yet. I just started booking it up there. And as I'm like halfway up to the stage, they finally like actually announced my name. So our plan worked, uh, at least for one of us. Unfortunately, Miller never got his name called and he never had an opportunity to go any further, which sorry, buddy. Um, So I go up on stage. Now, before you get up on stage, they kind of have you go back behind this curtain and you talk with some of the contestant coordinators and they take a Polaroid picture. Well, now this is, again, this is 2003. Okay. So they didn't have fancy iPhones with great images and they didn't have, you know, fancy digital cameras. They just had a Polaroid and they would take a Polaroid of you so that they had a headshot or a face to a name They'd have you fill out a sheet of paper that was kind of like a waiver, but also had a little bit more detailed information about how to contact you and more about like your age and stuff like that. 
had you sign it and then they took the polaroid of your picture and they stapled it to that sheet of paper so they had a face to a name and then they would tell you to go up on stage so i go up i do all that stuff i get up on stage um and they had us play like a a mock wheel of fortune game they had a tv monitor up there and they had us go through the whole process of spin or buy a vowel all that kind of stuff and how to try to solve the puzzle. And again, the whole thing that they're doing is they're trying to judge you on how well do you speak? Do you, you know, can you project your voice? Do you have personality? Are you outgoing? Are you entertaining? Are you somebody that other people are going to want to watch? They're all just, they're just judging you basically the whole time, even though they're not telling you that at the time, they're just evaluating you in that way. So we go through that whole process. And again, this is for Phoenix week. So the idea is they're going to stay in Phoenix for an entire week and they're going to um, film episodes for like five days out of Phoenix. And that was the biggest reason that I was motivated to go and do it because I didn't want to have to spend the money or the time driving out to California to go to the studios to do the filming. I thought it would just be really cool if I could get chosen to be one of the people to film in Arizona, then I wouldn't have to go anywhere. And it's, you know, it'd be super fun to film in your own state. So we go through the whole process and they tell everybody, okay, look, if we want you to be, um, if we want you to potentially be a contestant on the show, then within, I want to say it was within like a week or so, somebody will contact you and tell you what steps to take to go to like the next process of selection. And so I was like, okay, cool. And I went home a couple of days later, I get a phone call. Hey, this is so-and-so from Wheel of Fortune. We want you to come to the actual audition portion of the uh, selection process. So we need you to meet at this hotel in downtown Phoenix. And, and that's where we're going to do it. And you need to be there at this day and this time. I went to the hotel and they had blocked off some ballrooms in the the hotel so that they could run all these different versions of auditioning that they wanted to do. And again, I mean, there's a ton of people they'd been selecting people for days. Again, I'm in a room of, you know, hundred, 150 people. And they, it's so funny. They basically just did a roll call <laughs> with like a hundred people. Hey, so-and-so. And then if they called your name, you had to stand up. You had to like say, I'm here or, you know, I'm so-and-so, you know, say your name and then basically act like you were calling out a letter as if you were on the game. And, and again, the whole reason they're doing this is because they're testing you. They, they want to see if you can project your voice. So, you know, they get to me, they call my name. I stand up. I'm so-and-so call out a letter, sit back down. (laughs) It sounds so stupid now when I'm talking to you guys about this, but that was one of the selection processes where they started cutting people. So even after a simple roll call, they were like, okay, um, we need X amount of people to leave. (laughs) I was like, "Wow, dang, it's pretty savage. (laughs) So they cut down a few people. And then they said, okay, look, um, 
the next step is that we're going to give you guys a test. And you're going to have five minutes. We're going to give you 20 puzzles on a sheet of paper. Each puzzle will have a theme. So person, place, thing, right? Just like you would see on the game show. And we're going to input letters in different places on each one of the puzzles. And you have five minutes to solve as many puzzles as possible. And they told us before we started, they said, even if you don't think you know the entire answer to the puzzle, they said, fill out as many words as you can figure out because you do get partial points for all the words that you can identify. So let's say you had a puzzle that was five words long and you couldn't figure out all five of them, but you could figure out two. If, if you filled out those two words, they would give you some credit towards whether or not they want to let you continue in this process. But if you just left them blank, you're shooting yourself in the foot because that could earn you fewer points that would make it harder for them to pick you instead of somebody else. So we did that. Um, and then they, once you got done, they kind of like kicked everybody out of the room so they could go through and they could grade all of them. And so we were all just kind of like standing around for a little bit. And uh, they, they call everybody back in and they announced the names of the people that they wanted to stay. So now we, we've gone from maybe like 100 people in a room. Um, they might have cut 10 or 15 people in that initial stand up, say your name, you know, you can stay or you can go kind of scenario. And then once we did the testing part, now we've gone from, you know, 80, 90 people in a room. Now they cut it down to like 30 25 or 30 people. So they like hacked a bunch of people. And basically you had to get, you had to get a certain amount of points on that test. Otherwise they weren't going to let you go any further. Um, fortunately I did fairly well on that thing. So I got to go to the next step. Now the next step was you're face to face with a group of contestant coordinators. These are the people that are making the decision on whether or not to bring you onto the show. So these are the people that are at that moment, the most important people to impress, I guess, if you want to say it, I'm down in this group of like 30 some odd people. We're in front of all the contestant coordinators and they want us to play a mock or pretend version of wheel of fortune again. So they have this giant projector screen in front of us and they put a puzzle up there and they put like four or five of us in a row in front of everybody and asked us to pretend like we were spinning the wheel and then they would have this like digital wheel up on the screen that would spin and it would land on a certain number and if it landed on a, a dollar value then you could pick a, a letter and if it landed on lose a turn or bankrupt or whatever it would go to the next person the funny part about this though is that imagine you're standing in a room with nothing in front of you now you've got maybe five or 10 feet away from you. You have contestant coordinators standing behind some plastic fold up tables, but between you and them, there's literally nothing but space. And they, they asked us to act like we were actually spinning the wheel. So we had to pretend like we were leaning over the counter top on the stage and bend down and like spin a wheel <laughs> To this day, I don't, I don't understand why they had us do that, <laughs> but it was, I thought it was super hilarious at the time. And I think it's super funny now that I'm thinking about it because I'm, I'm, 
I'm just remembering what everybody looked like pretending to lean over an invisible counter and spin a fake wheel that doesn't exist. Uh, so we did it. And then this time they actually let us play out the entire puzzle. You know, leading up to this, it was just kind of short little snippets of, can you say a letter? Can you say your name? Can, can we hear you? Stuff like that. But this time they actually wanted to see how we played the game and you know, did we spin or did we buy vowels? Did we, did we say the letters appropriately? Could we pay attention to which letters had been called and which ones, you know, were available to choose all that kind of stuff. So we went through that whole process and then they told us, they said, okay, we appreciate your guys' time. That's the only thing that we, that's the last thing that we have for you guys tonight. Um, if we want you to be a contestant on Phoenix week, these are the days that we're going to be filming. So within the next two weeks, somebody will call you on the phone and ask you to be a contestant for Phoenix week. If we don't want you to be a contestant for Phoenix week, but we actually still want you to be a contestant on the show filming in our Los Angeles studio, you will get a letter in the mail within 30 days telling you that we want you to be on the show in LA. And then it will give you more instructions as far as when your day that we are going to tape your episode will be. And so we left. And that night, that whole process probably took two or three hours, I think. Uh, it wasn't too terribly long, um, but it was just really cool. It's just so cool when you have an opportunity to see how a show that you've watched for me, it's a show that I had watched almost my entire life. And now I'm getting an inside glimpse as far as how they actually make these things come together. And, and at that point I was just like, man, you know, if, if I get picked, that's awesome. But if I don't get picked, it was just super cool to see how all of this stuff played out and to see how all this stuff came together. And that's, that's good enough for me. So we, um, we all left. I went home and I'm not going to lie. I, I really wanted to be on the show. So I was really hoping that I would get that phone call. Um, but unfortunately a couple of weeks went past. I never got a phone call. And, and so I realized, okay, well, they don't want me to be a contestant for Phoenix week. And I pretty much just after about three weeks, I told my family, I was like, well, you know, they didn't call me within the two weeks, like they said they would. So I know they don't want me to be on Phoenix week. Now it's been an extra week. So we're on three weeks after I did the auditioning and they said I would get a letter in the mail within a month if they wanted me to come out to LA. Haven't seen a letter in the mail come out. So they don't want me to be on the show. And that's, I was bummed. But at the same time, like I said before, I just thought it was super cool that I got to be a part of all that stuff in the first place. So I was, I was like, all right. And I was coming to terms in my own head. I was coming to terms with the fact that I figured they were never going to have me on the show. And a couple days later, I came home and uh, got the mail and there, there it was, there was a letter in the mail from wheel of fortune and they asked me to be a contestant on the show. They just wanted me to come out to LA and film. And I just, I freaked out. I was super excited. I was like, yes, I get to be on wheel of fortune. This is so awesome. Couldn't wait for my mom to get home from work. Like I told my sisters when they came home that day and I was just like, Oh, this is so fantastic. It's so cool. In the letter, it tells you, Hey, we want you to come out to Los Angeles. We want you to be a part of the filming. You need to provide your transportation to get out here. You have to pay for your hotel. The show is not going to pay for any of that stuff. So we're not going to reimburse you. 
it's just on you to get out there. Um, and then they said, they said, this is what like blew my mind. They were like, sometime within the next three to 18 months, <laughs> we will contact you and tell you what day we want you to come and film. And I went from being super excited to a little irritated because <laughs> I was like, well, what the hell? <laughs> you want me to come out and you want me to be a part of the show and I get to be on TV and I get to play this game and potentially win a bunch of money. I said, but you're telling me it's going to take potential almost a year and a half possibly before I hear from you guys again. I go, man, this really sucks. I just held on to the letter um, in case, you know, I don't know why. I, I think it may, be, I think it had a contact phone number on there. Like, Hey, if you have any issues or whatever, you can call us. Um, so anyway, I, I was like, man, sometime in the next few months, like they're going to call me. Uh, and so I just went about my daily business. I was super excited for a little while there for like a week or two. I was like, yeah, I'm going to get a call. I'm going to get a call. And then I remember after, after like a month, I was like, oh, all right. Well, they said it could take a year and a half before they reach out to me. So I might as well just assume that I'm not going to hear from them for a very long time. And I don't need to worry about being excited about this right now. I just need to go about doing my daily routine. And eventually at some point, I'll just get some crazy surprise phone call from Will Fortune. And so it, it was about three months after I got the letter, I got a call. This whole thing started from watching a commercial around Thanksgiving, Christmas time of 2003. So the end of the year, 2003, I believe it wasn't until I want to say the auditioning and everything happened at the end of 2003. But by the time I had gotten the phone call from the wheel of fortune team that, that, that I was going to actually have a day to go out and film, it had already gone into the new year. So now it's 2004 and now it's early 2004, like February, March, sometime in that time frame. And so they call me and they're like, Hey, we want you to come. We want you to tape an episode. Can you make it out? And I said, yeah, I can make it out. That's not a problem. And they said, okay, well, we want you to come out in July of 2004. Now, obviously they're like, we want you to come out in July. It just happened. It was 2004. So I said, yeah, that's no problem. I'll come out. And I think they wanted me to come out. Uh, it was like the first week of July. And I think it was July 3rd of 2004, if I'm not mistaken, is when I actually did the taping. <clears throat> and uh, for everybody that knows me, you know when my birthday is. But for anybody that's listening that doesn't know, my birthday is on July 1st. So July 1st of 2004 was my 21st birthday. And July 3rd of 2004 was two days later when I got to actually film the episode. And I was like, man, this is super cool. I get to go out to LA. I'm going to be 21. I get to film the episode. Everything was just kind of like going to be really cool that week. We went, got a brand new suit. My sister, Danielle, is a hairstylist. So she made sure I had a fresh cut uh, the week of so that my hair would you know, look good. And uh, back then I used to wear my hair like super spiky, you know, like individual little spikes. Uh, it was just kind of like the style back then, I guess. And I loved it. Um, so my sister cut my hair, had my fresh suit. And, you know, my, my family, 
isn't like the tightest family, but in, in moments like this, we're, we're like really supportive and we're really close. And so my mom wanted to go out there. My aunt wanted to go out there. They wanted to bring my grandmother out. My sisters wanted to come and the show didn't care. They were like, you can bring your family out and they can be in the studio audience and they can watch. We have like a whole separate section for family members on your tape date. So we brought everybody out. My two sisters, my mom, my aunt, my grandma, we all went out there to, to watch and celebrate and uh, stayed out there for a couple of days, go to the studio. And they told us you need to be at the studio. I think we had to be at the studio by like six o'clock in the morning. And they were filming five or six different episodes that day. So you figure if they're doing six episodes that day, each episode's got to have three contestants. That's 18 people. But they always have like a backup person for each episode also. So there's really like four people per episode time slot. That way, in case somebody gets sick, doesn't show up, gets hurt, whatever, like just can't be on the show, then they have somebody that can replace them and they can still film and not screw their schedule up. So they say, okay, you got to be there at like 6, 630. Um, but depending on which episode you're going to be a part of, you, you have to just be there the whole day and you have to wait for everybody else. So you might be here till seven o'clock at night or whatever it was. Right. So I was just kind of prepared to have like a super long day. I didn't know how long it was going to take to film each one of these episodes. I didn't know you know, how long I was going to end up having to be there. I just knew that there was a potential that I could be the very last episode that got taped that day. And then I could just be hanging out for a real long time. And I want to say maybe they didn't start filming until 10 o'clock in the morning. And then that's why they were like, Hey, look, like just be prepared to be here till seven o'clock at night, because we don't know how long it's going to take to get everybody through makeup. And we don't know how long it's going to take to film everything and how many, you know, which episode you're going to be on. So go in there and this was the part that I wasn't expecting when it comes to Wheel of Fortune in particular. I'm going to assume that a lot of game shows are the same way, but I can't speak to that because I haven't been on any others. But when it comes to Wheel of Fortune in specific, they are very, very, very protective against cheating. And they take extreme measures to make sure that you can't cheat on the show any way, form, or fashion. So for instance, when we got to the studio, we had to go to a certain place in the studio. We had zero access to go anywhere else in the studio other than this one little holding area. And the holding area was kind of like a portable trailer setup, like you would put at a school where you needed to like set up a portable classroom. So anyway, we go in and the only people that we have contact with are the contestant coordinators. And we're in this isolated area in the studio. We don't see anything. You don't see a stage. You don't see cameras. You don't see nothing. And we're hanging out. We can't talk to anybody. You know, we can talk to the people that are waiting with us that are getting ready to tape our episodes, but we can't go walking around. If we needed to use a restroom, we had to have an escort from one of the contestant coordinators to take us to the restrooms to make sure that we weren't like wandering around trying to cheat. And we never got to meet Pat. We never got to meet Vanna. Um, and to this day, I can tell you the only people that ever get to talk to Pat are the contestants 
And the only time that you get to talk to him is when you actually go out there to film. And it's like right before you film is when you meet him. And then like 30 seconds later, they start filming. And the only person that gets to get close to and talk to Vanna White is whoever goes to the final bonus round at the very end. So whoever wins the game show and gets to go to the final bonus round and try to solve that last puzzle at the end of the show, when you're watching TV and you see that, that contestant standing there with Pat and Vanna, that is the first time that that contestant has even come anywhere within five feet of Vanna White to that point. So just giving you guys a little inside, you know, insider information there. And I guess, you know, they, they told us, it was for the purpose of preventing cheating, but I got to be honest. I mean, I, I feel like it's just, you know, Pat and Vanna are there to work. And I, I, I feel like the last thing that they want to do is have to deal with dozens of people on a daily basis, trying to chat them up. And, and so I get it. Um, but yeah, again, you don't get to meet them until you actually go out on stage. And the only person that even gets to talk to Vanna White is the person that gets to the very end. And they don't even meet her until the very end of the show when they're getting ready to film the credits. So anyway, they're super protective. They don't want cheating happening. They even keep whatever the puzzle is for each episode. That's going to be the final puzzle, that bonus round. They keep the puzzle and the answers like, completely separate in a production room on part of the studio. So it's not even with, they don't even keep that stuff with like the other puzzles. They keep it all completely separate again, because they don't want anybody to potentially know what the answer is and cheat. So anyway, we're sitting in this isolated room. We have no contact with the outside studio. The only people that we can talk to are the contestants that we're with and the couple of contestant coordinators that are there. And then eventually the makeup artist that goes to put the production makeup on us. So Contestant coordinators come in and they announce to everybody, okay, hey, Ryan, so on, so forth. This is which episode you're going to tape. And this is the order in which we're going to do them. And I was fortunate enough that I got to go on the very first um, episode that they were filming. So I didn't have to sit around and wait all day long. I got to take care of mine and get it out of the way super quick. Now, the cool thing is when you go and you're a contestant, once I was done filming my episode, they didn't care if I stayed there and watched all the rest of the episodes. They were like, you can stay there and you can watch all the other ones. At that point, it's fine. Like, no big deal. You're just part of the crowd. They tell me, okay, you're going to be part of the first taping with these two individuals and, you know, be ready. And then they tell everybody else, you're going to be episode two, three, four, five, six, whatever. So because I was the first episode, I got to go through makeup first. So they put me through the whole makeup thing. And then they brought a little bucket around with golf balls that had number one, number two, and number three on them. And that was to be your contestant position on the stage. You know, each contestant has like the color red and then the color yellow and then the color blue. And they were just trying to line us up on the stage, but they wanted it to be random. So we picked our numbers and then that told us which color we were going to stand on and where we were going to stand next to the stage. If I remember correct, I was on the little blue, the blue square. So basically, like if you're watching Wheel of Fortune, I was the person that was on the far right as you're watching it. Um, now we're, we're all sitting in this little room. We're still waiting, 
right? We can't film any episodes yet. And all of us have been there for a couple hours at this point. We're starting to get kind of bored <laughs> and kind of antsy. Like, when do we get to go and do our thing? And inside this room that we're sitting in, it's just chairs. It's plastic chairs, but there's two big whiteboards on the wall in front of us with dry erase markers. We hadn't seen any contestant coordinators in a while. We were just told we couldn't leave that room. We just had to sit there and wait. I can only imagine they were probably setting up the stage or something. I don't know. But I'm a pretty outgoing person. And I started cracking jokes and I, I thought I thought it would be a smart thing to do for us to all warm up our minds. And so I got some of the markers and I went up to the whiteboard and I drew a hangman picture on the whiteboard and I created a puzzle that I made up on my own. And I just let every one of the contestants play like we all just started playing hangman. I was like, all right, see if you can get, you know, you guess a letter. Nope. Okay. You guess a letter. And we started filling them out and we were all having a blast. Everybody that I was there with was having fun. And I thought it was just a cool way for us to kind of like break the tension and kind of ease some of our nerves. And, and I thought it was a cool way for us to just get our minds in a, in a zone ready to go out and play wheel of fortune and have fun. Well, a little bit of time goes by. I think we had done a couple puzzles. And eventually a contestant coordinator walks back in and we're all like, Hey, what's going on? Like, we're waiting for an update. Like, what do you got for us? Like, what are we doing? And they flip out. They're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, we're playing hangman. We're just killing time until you guys are ready to film our episodes. And they're like, no, you can't do that. <laughs> and they like start erasing the board and they snatch out all the markers out of the room and they, they like walk away and they're like, no, you can't play that. Like, don't do that ever. Like, don't do that anymore. I'm, oh, we should have never left these in here, blah, blah, blah. And they're like super frustrated. <laughs> I was like, oh shit, I pissed them off. Fortunately, nothing bad happened. They, they were like, dude, that's borderline of what we might consider somebody potentially cheating. Like you don't want to put yourself in a compromising position. So like, we're going to take these markers out of here. Like, don't try to do that again. I was like, oh fuck. Like I've gotten this far and like, a couple minutes before they're probably going to pull me out there. They're going to kick me out because I'm playing hangman on the whiteboard. I was like, okay, shit. So I just went and sat down. I just like stopped talking to everybody. <laughs> so a little bit of time goes by. They come back in. They're like, okay, Ryan, you and the other two people were ready to start filming your episode. So come and follow us. And they walk us out to the stage. And the first impression that I had right off the bat was this stage is not as big as I thought it would be. It was probably the size of like a high school gymnasium stage where you act out plays when you're in school. I mean, it wasn't much bigger than that. Now it's in a studio, super high ceilings. The stage is not very, I guess, as you're watching it on TV, it's not very wide, but it is pretty deep because they have to fit things like further back on the stage. And so now I'll imagine you walk through a door and you go through some like curtains and you walk out onto a stage. And as you're walking straight on the opposite side of the stage is the board where the puzzles are going to pop up right in front of you is the stage where you're going to stand where the big wheel is to your left is the audience and all the seats back there, but you have all the lights shining on you 
from that side, you can see every single one of the cameras. You can see all the directors. You can see all the producers. You can see all the sound guys. You can see everything. Now, right before they walk us on stage, they tell us, again, they're super skeptical of people cheating. And they say to us, we know your family is in the audience. You are not allowed to look to your left and you are not allowed to look in the audience. <laughs> They're afraid that you're going to get answers from people in the crowd. I've never been on a studio before. I've never filmed anything for TV or movies. I'm getting ready to go film an episode of wheel of fortune, which is a game show that I've watched my whole life and I'm super excited. And I'm like having the time of my life. I walk through this black curtain. The first thing I notice is all these bright lights on my left, all these cameras and all these people sitting in these stands. And the only thing going through my head is don't look left. Don't look left. Don't look left. <laughs> don't get kicked off the show. Don't look left. You know, I know my whole family's over there to the left. They're all cheering for me. All these people are clapping and everything for all three of us walking out there. You got Pat Sajak over in front of you. You got the giant wheel in front of me. And all I can think of is don't look left. Don't look left. Don't look left. So we walk out on stage and we walk up to the, to the wheel where they have the, you know, like the little countertop that you stand behind because everybody's a different height and they want everybody to have the same ability to be able to reach the wheel as everybody else. I'm about six feet tall. I was with two other ladies that were on the show with me that were shorter. And it was really cool because each one of us would go and stand where we were going to be standing for the show. They would have us stand on the platform and then somebody else would like move the platform up and down. And then they would ask you to lean over the counter, try to spin the wheel and see if you could reach it. And if you couldn't reach it, then they would raise the platform up a little bit higher. If it was too easy for you, they would raise it down a little bit lower because they didn't want you to fall forward over it. So they, you had to get like a perfect height. So again, fun fact, if you're watching Wheel of Fortune and you're looking at the contestants standing behind that little countertop, underneath their feet behind the countertop, it is an adjustable platform and it's separated for each individual person and they can put each person at different heights anytime they want. So I was like, man, this is so freaking cool. So they get everything set up. They get everything positioned the way that they want. And they're like, okay, cool. We're going to start filming. Pat comes out. They, they're not rolling cameras yet, but we get a chance to kind of talk to him for a second literally just like a couple seconds. Hey, Pat, how's it going? And he's like, Hey guys, how's it, how's it going? And they're just kind of doing their like last minute production checks. Does everybody look okay? Uh, does everybody have the right place? Do we have everything going? Does Pat have all his little cards, whatever he needs. <clears throat> and I remember um, it was the, it was just cool because you know, you see these people on TV and you just, the only version of them that you see is the version of that person that's on TV during the taping of that episode. And that's, you know, that's them. They're, they're putting on a performance for you. But now I'm having an opportunity. I'm standing five, six feet away from a guy. He's a real person. He's, you know, it's real life. The cameras aren't rolling. So he's kind of just being a normal person talking to us. And it was just really nice to see a, a real version of somebody that was on TV. Um, Pat is also actually pretty funny on his own, in his own right. Even, uh, you know, even when he's not filming. So anyway, we, uh, 
we get ready to start filming. And right before they start rolling the cameras, they go over something with all of us contestants. And they say, okay, look, we want to point your attention to a couple different things that you can look at while you're on stage. And they said, just off to the left of the stage. So not as far off to the left as where you're looking at the crowd, but just slightly off to the left on the ground, <clears throat> there was a tower that had three separate TVs on top of each other. Each TV had a different color and that color was for each contestant. So blue, yellow, red. And what that TV was designed for was to show you as the contestant, as you're playing along throughout the game, if you've won any money or if you've won any prizes off of the wheel, it gave you a list of everything that you've accumulated for that puzzle. And then it gave you a list of everything that you've accumulated throughout the entire game. So basically, as we watch it on TV, that dollar amount that's underneath the person's name that's keeping track of how much money they've accumulated throughout that puzzle, $1,500, $3,000, whatever it is, there is a TV to the left of the contestants that they can see that also has that tally on it. So we all knew exactly how much money that we had every time we were going through one of these puzzles. And then on the opposite side of the stage, to the left of where the actual puzzle board is, hanging from the ceiling was the alphabet lit up. And each letter was a different square that was lit up with a white light. And that was there so that if I guess the letter T, then if it was on the puzzle or not, the producers would turn the light off on the letter T. So as contestants, we could always see every single letter that is available to choose from. If the light's turned on, you can guess that letter. If the light is turned off, you cannot guess that letter. And if you do guess that letter, you're going to lose your turn. Now they go over all these rules with us before we even go out on the stage. They're like, look, we just want to reiterate the rules. <clears throat> if you guess a letter that's already been called, you're going to lose your turn. You don't get another chance. They were also very particular on how you called letters out. So they told us, if you want to call a letter out, you need to only say the letter. If you say an E, you could lose your turn. And they could, they can consider that as you not saying the appropriate letter. So they told us, you got to be very specific. If you want to call a letter, don't say anything else other than the letter. Don't make a noise. Don't do anything. Just call the letter and that's it. Nothing else. You don't need to say, I would like an R. If you do that, you're going to lose your turn. So again, you know, you're trying to remember all of this. You're, you know, you've been isolated for a couple hours. You've had to sit in a makeup chair and have a makeup artist put makeup on your face. For some people, for me, it was the first time that's ever happened. Um, they're telling you they don't want you cheating. They're telling you don't look at your family. Don't look at the audience. They're going over the rules of the game. You're trying to remember all this stuff. And all at the same time, you're also just trying to take in this really cool experience of being on a game show. So it's a little nerve wracking, but insider tip, the next time that you watch wheel of fortune and you're watching an episode and you see a contestant call out a letter and then Pat Sajak goes, I'm sorry, that letter has already been guessed. I want you to know as a viewer, there is a giant board hanging from the ceiling 
20 feet away from that contestant that has all of the letters available to call lit up with a white light. So anybody that makes the mistake of calling a letter that's already been called is probably extremely nervous or wasn't paying attention to the fact that they have that to use. <laughs> we go to start filming and the way that they decided, uh, I think they still do that this now it's to be fair. It, it's actually been quite a long time since I've watched an episode of wheel of fortune. I don't know if that's just me growing up or now that I've been on the show, I lost interest for it, or I just don't think about it. I don't know. But I know that when I did my filming, um, the way that they can, they chose the order of who got to spin first was the very first puzzle that we did was like a, I don't remember what they call it. Some sort of like rapid fire where they put a puzzle up there and they just started filling letters out until somebody thought that they knew it, you'd click a buzzer. And then if you knew it, you, you'd answer the puzzle and solve it. And if you were right, you'd win a dollar amount, but then it was your turn to go first and spin the wheel. So we, we do that. We go through, um, we play the game. Uh, it, it was super cool, super fun. I, I remember we played seven puzzles before the bonus round and of those seven puzzles, I was able to solve four out of the seven. I got to the point where I actually solved four of them. We did the lightning round ones where you buzz in. Um, we did three of those puzzles and I solved all three of those. And then I solved one additional puzzle that we played with spinning the wheel and everything else. Um, unfortunately, for anybody that doesn't know how Wheel of Fortune works, it doesn't matter how much money you accumulate while you're playing a puzzle. If you are not the one that solves the puzzle, you don't get any of that money. And there were two puzzles where I was able to fill out 70 to 80% of the letters up on that board. But I wasn't able to be the one to solve them. And the reason was because one of the puzzles, I had probably the worst strategy at that moment that you could ever use to play Wheel of Fortune. And if you don't think that there is strategy involved in that, I'm here to tell you there is. And it's not the most complicated theory in the world. There's some basic strategy to playing Wheel of Fortune. For instance, if you're looking at a puzzle and you know 100% without a doubt what one of the words is, that means that you know what all of the letters in the word are. So if you know, with, with no question, 100%, you know that there is the letter R in a puzzle. And it comes to be your turn. And you spin that wheel, and it lands on a dollar amount, and it's your turn to guess a letter. The best strategy at that point is to guess the letters that you 100% know are on the board. Don't try to guess a letter that you think might be up there and you're taking a guess at it. And I fell into that trap. One of the puzzles that we were playing, I had put a ton of letters up on the board. I knew what one of the letters was for sure. There was no question in my mind. I knew there was a letter up there. 
But after I spun and it was my, and I had a chance to, to pick a letter for whatever reason at that moment, I thought that if I guessed a letter that I didn't know and I got it right, it could help me to solve the puzzle. So instead of just guessing the one that I knew that I was there and being able to continue to play, I took a stab at a letter that I thought was up there and I ended up being wrong. And when that happened, I had a chunk of money under my name, but it went to the lady after me. And on her first spin, she landed on some outrageous dollar amount, like $3,500 a letter or $1,500 a letter or some nonsense. And she called out the letter that I knew was there. And I knew that there was more than one of these letters on the board. And she called it out. So she ended up racking up a chunk of money on one letter. And then because of that one letter, she was able to then solve the puzzle. Now, I would assume that she probably already knew what the answer was anyway. Um, but I basically gave her the opportunity to solve that puzzle by having a dumb strategy at that moment. So she solves it. I lose all the money. Then we get to another puzzle later. Uh, again, one of the puzzles that I didn't solve. Uh, and I, I take it back. I, I have to go back and watch it. I actually have my episode on a DVD and I should go back and watch it to, to double check. I'm pretty sure I solved all three of the lightning round puzzles, but I could have, I may have only solved two of them and then solved two of the regular puzzles. Either way, I solved four. Um, anyway, I, the, the other puzzle that I put together, I put a ton of letters up on the board. I, um, I got to the point where I was spinning and I was guessing letters and this was the one that hurt the most. As I'm guessing the letters and I'm, I'm earning money, I decided to look to my left and I looked at the TV monitor that was tracking everything that I had earned up to that point on that puzzle. And I saw a lot of money. I mean, I think it was close to $10,000 just on this one puzzle. And I had round trip Southwest airlines tickets that I had accumulated throughout this whole puzzle uh, as well that were sitting there waiting for me if I was able to solve it. As soon as I saw that TV monitor and I looked at how much money I had racked up on this one puzzle, it was like a, a switch flipped in my brain and everything shut down and my brain just absolutely stopped working. And I freaked out. So I, I started buying vowels and I got to the point where there were no more vowels to buy. And every time you buy a vowel, it costs you money. So it like reduces the amount that you've earned to that point. But I was just like, I was in like shock, man. I, I was just kind of like frozen in my own mind at that moment. And I couldn't think anymore. So the only thing I could think to do was just buy vowels. And hopefully as I'm buying vowels and paying it and like trying to refocus on this puzzle, I could put it all together in my head and I could solve it. Well, I buy all the vowels up. Now I don't have any more vowels to buy. And I only have two options, either spin or solve the puzzle. At that moment, I did not know what it was in my head. Legitimately, I, I couldn't put it together. 
And so the only option that I had was to spin the wheel again. So I spin the wheel and it's going 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 and eventually it stops. And this motherfucking wheel stops on lose a turn. <laughs> I'm like, you gotta be effing kidding me. So it goes to the lady that's after me again. She spins the wheel and what do you think happens? Yep. That wheel lands on another large chunk of money per letter. Again, some fifth, something over $1,000 a letter. She guesses one of the letters that's up on the board. There's multiples of them. She gets a ton of money. It was not a difficult puzzle to solve. She solves the puzzle and I lose all the money that I had accumulated on that puzzle. I lose the airline tickets. I lose the cash. And eventually that last puzzle was the difference between me being able to go to the bonus round and that lady being able to go to the bonus round. And to this day, it hurts my soul to know that the puzzle I was stuck on and the puzzle that my brain decided to shut off on and the puzzle that I just couldn't figure out was why did the chicken cross the road? Why did the chicken cross the road? That was the puzzle that was on the board that I had a ton of letters on. And I had racked up almost $10,000 on. And what stings the most, what stings even more is that it was one of those puzzles that as soon as you solved it, because it was a riddle, they gave you the opportunity to answer the riddle. And if you answered the riddle correctly, you'd win even more money. Why did the chicken cross the road? To this day, that little bastard decided to cross the road to fuck me over. I remember even still now, my sister, Rachel, giving me so much shit about not being able to solve that puzzle. And my other sister, Danielle, has given me grief about it in the past as well. But I remember Rachel more so because she was, you know, like any good sibling, just a savage, <laughs> making sure I understood how stupid I was in that moment. And I promise when she listens to this or if she listens to this at this moment right now, she is laughing her ass off and remembering how she was sitting in the audience and my entire family was sitting in the audience in their head screaming, why aren't you solving this? Just say solve. Tell them you want to solve it. It's why did the chicken cross the road? <laughs> they can't say anything because they're in the audience. And if they say anything, I'll get, I'll get disqualified from the, the, the TV program but they're just sitting there. Come on. Ah, <laughs> oh, man. So sad. So sad. Anyway, I miss out on going to the bonus round. And so now my taping is over. And I had the opportunity to go and watch 
uh, as many of the tapings as I wanted to from that point going forward. So I had a chance to go sit in the audience now as just an audience member. I got to keep my little name tag that had my wheel for my name, Ryan on it. And, uh, they took a break. Um, uh, they took a couple breaks. So like, as we're filming our episode, they, they took a break once or two or three, two or three times throughout us filming it. And I think in all total, it probably only took us like 20 or 30 minutes to film the entire episode. But, you know, we added a couple of little like one or two minute breaks in there. And they do that on purpose because that's where they put the commercials in. Now they got to film, they film all these ahead of time. So you got to imagine they're filming five episodes in one day. I mean, that's a week's worth of Wheel of Fortune episodes because they're only playing one new one every night. So, but they got to, they have to take these pauses in the filming process so that there's empty space that when they go to sell ad time, that's where they can dump the commercials in and then they can pick back up on the, on the, um, the visual and, and the film. So I remember during the first break, uh, I mentioned earlier that, that Pat was kind of a funny guy. I remember on the first break, we're sitting there and they would have their contestant coordinators come out and they would offer us water. Um, they would ask us if we were comfortable. They would ask us if we needed them to adjust the stage that we were standing on, if we were having a hard time spinning the wheel. Uh, so it was really cool. I mean, they took such great care of us once we were out on the stage. I mean, they took great care of us the entire day. Um, it felt like we were isolated, like we were prisoners at first, but after that, it was pretty fun. So they were constantly there. Um, they'd have their makeup artists come out and double check and like touch up makeup if they needed to, so that it still looked good on TV. Um, and they would have lint rollers so they could, you know, if you had stuff on your, your clothes, they could get it off. And I remember somebody came out and they were lint rolling Pat Sajak. They were getting his like shoulder pads and his jacket and everything on his suit. And he looks down and he had like a little piece of fuzz on his tie or on like the lapel of his jacket. I think it was on like the lapel of his jacket, but he looks down and he goes, Oh my God, I've got some suit poop. <laughs> and he picks this little piece of fuzz off and he throws it on the ground. <laughs> and I was chuckling. I was, to me, I thought it was really funny. I was like, Oh my God, Pat's Ajax just said he had suit poop. <laughs> um, so anyway, I, I, you know, they took another break in between the, the last round of, of our episode. And then that's when I had a chance to go sit up in the stands and I got to watch the bonus round for the episode that I taped. And this is the last part of the day that hurts my soul. I was sitting there in the audience with my family. Sisters are giving me crap about not solving why did the chicken cross the road? I feel like an idiot for not answering the puzzle. I'm super bummed out because I didn't get to go to the bonus round, even though I had solved the majority of the puzzles that were up there. I just didn't earn enough money to get to that point, unfortunately. And it was because of the two puzzles that I put all the letters up and, and the lady that was behind me ended up being able to rack up a bunch of money. If it hadn't been for even one of those puzzles, I still would have gone to the bonus round. So even though I was having a good time and even though it was really fun, I was sort of like kind of pouty and just like super frustrated and disappointed in myself. So we're sitting there and the lady that was in my round that got to the bonus round, she gets up on stage and they go to put her puzzle up. Now I'm going to give you guys a little bit of time to figure this out for yourself. 
not too much time because I don't want this to drag out, but I want you to imagine the topic of the puzzle is person. The puzzle is two words long. Each word is four letters long. And any time that you go to the bonus round on Wheel of Fortune, they always select the letters R, S, T, L, N, as in Nancy, and the vowel E. And they light up any of those letters that are in the puzzle. Okay. R, S, T is in Tom, L, N is Nancy, E is in Edward. The only letter out of those that pops up on this puzzle is the letter T. And it is the third letter of the first word. So topic is person. The first word is four letters long and T is the third letter. And the second word is four letters long and there are no letters at all lit up. And you have 10 seconds to solve this puzzle to win an additional prize. And I'm in the audience pouting about how I could not answer why did the chicken cross the road when I had put 80% of the letters up on the effing puzzle. And immediately, immediately, when that T popped up on that letter, I knew exactly what that bonus word was. I knew exactly what the answer to that bonus round was. And I'm sitting in the audience, super pissed, super pissed, because in a half a second, I was able to figure out what this freaking answer was. And I could have won up to $100,000 more money on top of going in there with whatever I'd have had. And there was nothing I could do about it. And for everybody that's listening, if you've taken an attempt to figure out what the answer to this puzzle was, I am now going to tell you that the answer to this bonus round was math whiz, M-A-T-H-W-H-I-Z. And the reason that I knew that so quickly was because I knew that if I got to the bonus round, Wheel of Fortune is um, historically, they tend to use puzzles that have very few of those letters R S T L N E in them. And that's the whole point. They're trying to make it as difficult as they can. So they're not having to cash out all these major prizes and it's a game show, right? Like it's not supposed to be like shooting fish in a barrel. So I already knew in my head that if I did make it to the bonus round, they always give the contestant a chance to guess three letters and a vowel, three consonants and a vowel. The lady that was in the bonus round, she picked her three letters and she picked her one vowel and none of them were on that board. None of them. I don't remember what letters that she picked. I could go back and I could watch the episode, but none of them popped up. And in my head, I was thinking, okay, so what are the most common letters that people are going to choose? A is a pretty common vowel that people would pick. O is a pretty common vowel that people would pick. So I thought to myself, well, 
if I ever got to the bonus round, depending on how many letters that were in there, I, I would probably lean more towards like I and you being the vowels that I chose from because they're less common. And they're in my mind, they were more likely to have been in the answer. The other consonants that are very, very popular that people would pick. Um, a lot of people like to pick D. Um, a lot of people like to pick G. Uh, B. You know, those are some of the letters that are pretty common. So I was thinking, okay, what are the less common letters? W. I mean, who guesses W? Nobody's going to guess Q. No one's going to guess Z. You know what I mean? No one's guessing X. And so with that few letters to choose from and knowing that it had to accumulate, like it had to come together as a person, I was like, all right, well, Q isn't going to be a part of it. X isn't going to be a part of it. Man, I doubt they're going to put some easy ass shit in there. I was like, what are the hardest letters imaginable to come up with a word? W and Z are going to be pretty freaking hard. And so I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, I'm thinking to myself, W, Z, there's no E up there. I, well, whiz, I mean, whiz is W, H, I, Z. And I go, oh, fucking math whiz. And I put it together in like a half a second. I mean, it was like super quick in my brain. And I started kicking myself in the ass so hard. The lady that was on there, to her credit, she answered it. She got the correct answer. She ended up winning the bonus round. She ended up winning extra money. You know, kudos to her, man. She's a super smart lady. Um, I just was kicking myself in the ass, dude, sitting up inside those freaking stands watching that go down. And I was like, son of a bitch, man. Why did the chicken cross the road fucked me out of that? <laughs> Yeah, man. Even even right now, even right now talking about this, I'm starting to get real triggered and I'm starting to get real frustrated again. And it's been 17 years since I did that. <laughs> man, but super fun time. Got to go out to, you know, lunch and hang out with my family in LA for a couple of days and for anybody that's wondering at this point, because I have not said whether or not I won anything. I know I told you that I solved some puzzles, um, but the total amount of money that I won that, that day was $6,000 in cash. And I won a thousand dollars worth of Maui gym sunglasses. And I had cool thing about that is they gave me an entire year to pick whichever glasses that I wanted. Um, and for, if you're not familiar with Maui gym sunglasses, uh, they can be pretty expensive. I mean, you, you could spend $500 on just one pair. So a thousand dollars worth of Maui gym sunglasses. Um, it, it's not like I could rack up 10, 12 pairs of sunglasses. I mean, at most I was walking away with three pairs and that's it. Uh, I think their cheapest pair at that time was like $150. Um, so, you know, maybe I, I could have had like three or four pairs or something like that. I don't know. But I, um, yeah, $6,000 in cash, $1,000 worth of sunglasses, uh, and a really cool experience and a really cool story to tell. Uh, the best part is the last insider tip that I will give you about Wheel of Fortune in specific is <clears throat> you, my impression was if you go on a game show and you win money, the government's just going to tax the shit out of it. And you're barely going to walk away with anything. You know, you think about winning the lottery or the Powerball. And if you do the cash value, I mean, they, they take almost 50% of what you win and some like 40% of whatever it was that you won, just go straight to taxes right off the bat. So I was thinking, well, 
I mean, I won six grand, but they're going to take half of it. So I might walk out of here with $3,000 at the most. Here's what's going to happen. Um, we need to double check and make sure that we have the, the correct information for you so that we can send you a check in the mail because we, we're not just going to give you cash right now. So sometime in the next, like so many days, you'll get a check in the mail for what you earned and you'll get your, your voucher for the sunglasses. And then they'll give you instructions on how you can redeem that voucher. I said, okay, cool. And they, they broke it down for me. And they said, because you're on a game show in California, the way that the taxes work is we only tax you whatever the state sales tax is. And I said, I'm sorry, what? And they said, yeah, you don't have to, you, you only have to pay sales tax, whatever California state sales tax is at the time. Well, back in 2004, the sales tax in California was only like 7%. And that's it. $6,000. They take 7% away for taxes. That means I walked away with a check for $5,580. And all I had to do was go play a game on TV. Not too bad. 21 years old and I'm getting $5,500 in the mail in a couple of weeks. So if anybody ever has an opportunity to go on a game show, I say, take advantage of it. It's super fun. Uh, at the end of the day, if nothing else comes out of it, other than the fact that you get a really cool story, then you get a really cool story. Uh, Wheel of Fortune, the way they operate their business model, they're like a one and done kind of deal. Once you've been a contestant on Wheel of Fortune, it doesn't matter how many years goes by, they will not let you be a contestant on the show again. Uh, and unless they were going to do some sort of like reunion show, I guess. And they, and they may have changed that rule, you know, in the last 20 years. Um, but I know that they told me that when I was on there, they, they told all of us that year, hey, you're going to get to film your episode, but this is it. Like you cannot come out and audition again in the future. <clears throat> So that's it, man. I don't get to do it anymore. But if you ever hear of Wheel of Fortune doing what they call a wheel mobile event and it's close to you and it's within driving distance, get out there, man. Just get out there. Just go have fun. Meet some people, put your name on a card, give them your phone number. If your name gets called, you never know. You might be the next contestant on the Wheel of Fortune. But that's my, that's my fun little story for today. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Again, this is episode number 13. Um, you know, I started doing this a couple months ago, and I, it was just something that I thought would be cool to do and something that would be fun to do. And, and I'll be honest with you, man, I have a blast doing this. It is actually really fun. I, you know, it's cool for me to, to put these together. It's cool for me to look and see that other people are listening to it just thought it would be fun to put something out there that I created and maybe somebody could get some entertainment out of. And to that end, it's been a blast. I can't wait to keep doing more. Um, if you haven't already check out some of my other podcasts, uh, that I've put together, you know, the very first one that I did is called, let me introduce myself, it gives you guys a little bit more information about who I am and where I'm from. Uh, my wife, Liberty and I did a travel series one where we talk about a trip that we took to Italy uh, super fun doing that with her. Uh, we're planning on doing another one 
coming up here in the next week or so. I'm not 100% sure which destination we're going to talk about. We've been to a few different places. So her and I will figure that out coming up soon. The most recent one that I did prior to this one is called the Hematoma. I highly recommend that you go listen to that super fun conversation that I had with an old friend of mine named Mike Wilson. Uh, Mike owns his own custom furniture shop, custom furniture company. It's called Deck One Designs, D-E-C-1 Designs. You can check him out on Instagram at, at Deck One Designs. Super cool dude. He's an incredible woodworker. Um, if you guys like to travel and you've ever considered hiring a travel advisor to plan a trip for you anywhere, even in the continental US, go check out my episode called Vacations Booked. Um, amazing lady, Rachel Lackey took a couple hours out of her day and sat down and talked to us. Liberty and I have used her travel agency um, for a few years now, and they do a phenomenal job of not only booking our, our trips, but planning everything, um, creating incredibly easy itineraries to follow and organizing any documents and paperwork that we would need for our vacations. Anytime we go out of the country to the point where they literally just send us a, a, a folder and it has every single piece of paper that we need for every single portion of every day that we're out there. And it's in chronological order from day one to the last day. So all we had to do, all we have to do is take the next sheet of paper out of that folder and, and use it. You get off an airplane and you have to get on a bus or you have a private car that's taking you to your hotel. You got to give them a voucher. It's the very first thing in that booklet. It's super easy. Rachel Lackey, Vacations Book. Check that episode out. Super awesome. A uh, close friend of mine that lives in Tennessee with me, Ian Duarte. Uh, check out the episode that says, look up, put your phone down and smile. I think that's the title of that episode. Uh, cool conversation with a guy that I know out in Tennessee. His name is Ian Duarte. Um, he and a friend, Kanan Bittler, started a mobile tire company, mobile tire installation company out of Nashville. They do phenomenal work. You guys ever want to get your tires changed or you need to get your car worked on to get a tire fixed or you want to get your tires rotated, but you're sick and tired of having to go sit at a dealership or you don't want to have to go and sit at uh, an independent tire store like a discount tire or a Firestone or Walmart or Costco or any of those places. Uh, if you live in the middle Tennessee area, you can give those guys a call at Freedom Tire Guys. They will come to your house. They will go to your business. They will change your tires while you're watching your kids play football. These guys are fantastic. Their customer service is bar none and they will bend over backwards to take care of you and your family. And the whole idea behind the concept of their company is they literally just want to free up all your time so that you can do the things that you enjoy to do without having to waste your time dealing with the crap that everybody hates having to deal with. So check that episode out. I and Duarte, the episode name is um, look up, put your phone down, smile. Check out Freedom Tire Guys at freedomtireguys.com. You can check them out on Instagram and Facebook. Also, again, if you're in the middle Tennessee area, those guys are fantastic. Uh, hopefully, I can get some more uh, some more people on the podcast. Uh, admittedly, I dramatically screwed up recently. I tried filming a podcast with a gentleman out of Utah. Uh, his name is Jonathan Timmerman. Created his own coffee company called Awaken Coffee. Um, he was gracious enough to take time out of his day and sit down and talk to me. And I completely screwed up the, uh, the recording process. 
And after a two hour long conversation with him, I was not able to save any of the information and I was not able to use any of the information. Um, so hopefully he and I can reschedule and we can sit down and do the episode again. I'd love for you guys to learn more about Jonathan and his business. Uh, Awaken coffee is amazing. If you like to, if you're into adventure sports, if you like hiking or backpacking or camping, you like traveling, uh, especially traveling outside the country, or if you have a traveling job where you have to go, like I am, I'm on the road, I'm in a hotel and you're a coffee lover, check out his, uh, check out his stuff. His website is getawaken.com, G-E-T-A-W-A-K-N.com, getawaken.com. Again, if you have a traveling job and you're sick and tired of having to drink shitty coffee, you can buy his product online, ship it straight to your house. They come in little travel packets that you can take with you. You can make instant coffee anywhere you go. Tastes amazing. My wife, Liberty, absolutely loves it. Um, she uses it a lot before she gets ready to work out or before she does long runs. Uh, there's all kinds of health benefits inside that coffee, uh, collagen, protein, all that kind of stuff. So check out getawaken.com. Uh, like I said, hopefully I can retape that episode and, and I can sit down with him again and we can actually put that together here for you guys soon. And uh, other than that, man, thank you so much for listening. Uh, everybody that's been following me to this point, I appreciate it so much. I appreciate the feedback that people have been giving me. Uh, a good friend of mine in Nashville, Chris, called me out one day on the audio. And uh, I got to hand it to him. He forced me to go get a new mic. So hopefully the audio doesn't sound real echoey anymore, Chris. Appreciate the feedback. Um, and for anybody else, if you know me and you're listening to this, if you have any um, suggestions, if there's any topic that you would like for me to talk about that I haven't to this point, um, if you have any criticisms, hopefully constructive and not just trying to roast me, please text me, email me. Um, I'd love to hear from you guys. Um, and the biggest thing, just share this, share this with as many people as you can. Um, tell your friends, tell your family, um, help me out a little bit. I'd love to grow this. I'd love to get this to be a little bit larger platform and reach more people. Um, I hope to be kind of motivational with this, talk about some of the things that I've experienced in my life and, and hopefully it, it motivates or inspires other people to chase their dreams and, and try to achieve success and just live a happier life. Um, a large portion of my life, I wasn't as happy as I wanted to be. And I wasn't as happy as I could have been. And it took me a while to get to a point where I was comfortable making a change to live a stress-free life. And I can honestly say that at this point in my life, I've got as close to zero stress in my life imaginable. I mean, I love my job. Absolutely. The company that I work for is fantastic and amazing. And they take such great, great they just take such great care of me. Um, I get to travel around and, and coach and teach people on a daily basis. Um, I get to meet new people. I get to go to new places. I've got an amazing wife that loves me and supports me. Um, super crazy dog. That's like living with a wild coyote. Uh, but I love her to death. Nike's the best and I've got great friends and I've got great family. And so I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm as close to no stress as I could possibly be at this point in my life. And I can, I just hope that I can bring some of that to other people. And I can, I hope that going forward, I can kind of bring out some more information that other people can use in their own lives that can hopefully make a positive change. 
but anyway, I feel like I'm just rambling at this point. So thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, check out some of the other episodes, share this with your friends, send me some feedback if you want. Um, I might actually put together a website here soon where anybody that's listening can just go and, and email, email me, leave me suggestions, stuff like that. So, um, look out for that. I might put that together, but other than that, man, uh, until next time. Thank you.